Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Oh, baby! <laughs> what is up, Buffalo Fanatics? Z-Bot here with you. Victory Monday night on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. It can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break. We are live here. On a Victory Monday, and it feels good to be able to say Victory Monday once again. What an absolute thriller we witnessed yesterday out in Baltimore. The Buffalo Bills improved a 3-1 and one in a game where it seemed inevitable that they were going to fall to 2-2. Two and two. What a game. The resiliency shown by this team, Josh Allen, the defense, the coaching staff from top to bottom an incredible victory and i am super stoked to break down the entire thing with you tonight live here on the buffalo fanatics youtube channel on the smoke break hope everybody is having a terrific monday we are officially in october and the bills kicked october off with a victory a very unlikely victory but one that we will take nonetheless a huge w when you really get down to it I was saying last week, the difference between two and two and three and one just seems astronomical. And the way that this game started, it really did feel like the Bills were going to cruise to two and two. Started off about as bad as it could have possibly have gone. And you come off of that loss from Miami after the dominance you display the first two weeks. And you can't help but think to yourself, is what we saw in week one and two, was it an aberration? Was it something that we thought we could expect, but after what we've seen the last two weeks, you could forget about it. But the Bills showed you the type of team that they are in the second half of this game. And I think even last week against the Miami Dolphins, you still knew what this Bills team was all about. Missing nearly half their entire team, quite literally missing more than half their starting defense. They still should have found a way to win that game against Miami. They get a bunch of key guys back that I thought were going to be pivotal for this coming game and it wound up making all the difference especially Jordan Poyer we'll talk about him in depth throughout the show waiting for my main man Bobby Trossett who covers the Baltimore Ravens he's going to be joining us in just a second here and we're going to talk about the game from both perspectives from our perspective here in Buffalo of course and then of course what my not Miami I keep having the Dolphins on the brain I got to get rid of those Dolphins I'm sick and tired of talking about them. I'm sick and tired of even thinking about them, but here they are. They were, they, oh, speaking of which, nobody wanted the Bills to lose more yesterday than the Dolphins. And I, and I include the Ravens fans in that. They were waiting. They were waiting to get all over the Buffalo Bills fan base the way that that game started. But the way that they, that they wound up finishing, didn't hear a peep from those, uh, from those Dolphins fans. But we're going to hear a peep or two 
from my buddy Bobby Trossett, who covers the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm dying to know how the city of Baltimore and the Ravens flock right now is feeling because that was a tough loss to swallow. And typically losses like that don't come very often. But for the Baltimore Ravens, it's now twice in four weeks that they have suffered a gut-wrenching defeat in a game where it seemed like they had it all but locked up. So let's get into this one. But before we do, let's bring on my friend Bobby Trossett. And here he is, Bobby Baltimore. Thanks for joining us tonight, Bobby. I wish for your sake it was under better circumstances, but hey, somebody had to walk away from that game with a victory. And to be honest with you, I'm shocked it was the Buffalo Bills. After that first half, right? I mean, oh man, yeah. Well, first of all, I apologize for my tardiness no as we uh, were texting about. The, uh, the Bird website got me today, got me good for whatever reason. A few of these videos that I've posted, uh, like game highlights and stuff, replays. I think it was actually, matter of fact, I think it was the roughing the the, the passer call on Brandon Stevens with Josh Allen there in the fourth quarter that, for whatever reason, was flagged by Twitter. So my my account, as you saw, you were trying to give me the access yeah. link to join the stream, is just completely uh, inaccessible right now. So yeah, my Twitter. I would tell your 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 audience tonight to follow me on Twitter and come hit me up, but. There is no Twitter right now for Bobby Baltimore, so we're going to have to get creative. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, hey, I hope first and foremost, I hope that these two teams meet again in January because I think it was just a total treat. Now, Buffalo had butterfingers in the first half. Ravens, of course, had butterfingers in the second half along with a number of other challenges and issues, sort of what we saw, not to the extent uh, that we saw it, but as you kind of alluded to, that Miami collapse from a, a few weeks ago sort of, um, you know, took its own shape yesterday at the bank. So, Hey, you know, the better team won. There's no question about that. I think a lot of folks in, in this part of town are uh, calling for John Harbaugh's head. I think that'll subside, right? It's just the 24 hours after everybody's kind of, kind of direct their energy and anger sure. somewhere. And obviously Harbaugh being that he did make what I found to be a decision that, it didn't ultimately decide the game, Zach. Like, it helped decide the game. There's a yeah. difference between the two. Like, if Patrick Queen catches that interception that was thrown right to his breadbasket, if Adafe Owe can somehow get Josh Allen down and that just spectacular breakaway play, and then the dart to whoever he found on the near side of the field there was absolutely sensational. If, you know... If Lamar doesn't uh, chuck up the kind of the, the gimme interception there or the 50-50 ball off his back foot, like, you know, things would things would look a whole lot different. Maybe the pen, you know, we could even talk penalties too. Linderbaum at the center position, uncharacteristically, the their rookie out of Iowa has played really well. He didn't necessarily, when it comes to two false starts, one of which was super timely there, untimely, I should say, in the second half. So again, I think uh, you know, moral of the story, if you ask me. It helped decide the game. It didn't decide the game. And I think a lot of people here in Baltimore are forgetting that or at least overlooking it right now in, yeah. the, in this emotional state. Well, I'm glad the guards let you out of Twitter jail for a brief period here to join me tonight because I know sooner or later, everybody winds up getting clipped on the Bird app. I know a million people. You're now the million and one that has gotten some sort of violation to get off the bird app. But hey, 
when he does get back on, you can follow Bobby over on Twitter at Bobby Baltimore with two E's because he's doubling down on how much he covers the Baltimore Ravens. Then you can just search Bobby Trossett over on YouTube. He covers the Ravens in depth. Uh, doesn't get better from that perspective than what Bobby's doing over on YouTube. He's got a podcast going on right now called the Ravens Vault. Uh, does a great job covering the team. And I know this week there's a lot to cover. And I'm glad you brought up the Harbaugh situation because, of course, anytime a decision like that does not go the way that you would expect it to from that side of things, it's an immediate head call for the coach, right? And a guy like Harbaugh, you hear, you hear all these, you know, complaints about what Harbaugh did yesterday. And you have to think to yourself, listen, it's, it's not Robert Sala out there in his second year or whatever with a, with a growing team in the jets. We're talking about a seasoned veteran here. One of the better coaches in the league in coach Harbaugh. So I understand where you guys are coming from, but you know, it's baked in with the frustration, obviously, but with these games and we are no stranger to it. Just a week ago, we sat after the rate uh, the, the dolphins game and picked apart every single thing that the bills could have done differently in order to win that game. And unfortunately, Fortunately for us, that laundry list was about a yardstick long. I mean, I could have sat here for two days and talked about the things the Bills could have done differently to win that game. Ultimately, when the clock struck doubles or quadruple zeros, didn't go our way. And that's kind of how it went for Baltimore this past week. But I want to start right there because that's the that's the area that everybody wants to talk about today. I had heard varying perspectives on this and I wanted to get yours. I looked at it. And the fact that that game was even where it was, the way that the Ravens defense had been playing coming into this game, you had to be happy that even though that they had allowed that comeback to occur, they had still had the Bills to 20 points late in the fourth quarter. This is a Ravens team that going into Sunday was ranked 32nd in the league in total defense. I don't think anybody expected the Bills to be held to as few points as they were held to at that point. I took it at, I took it as, hey, Harbaugh looks at this perspective or this situation and says, we got Lamar Jackson, an MVP candidate right now. No one's playing better than him in the league, arguably. This is going to be our best chance to win the game because I truly don't have faith in our defense stopping Josh Allen the way the second half has gone. How did you see it? And how is the city of Baltimore kind of seeing it right now from a rational perspective? I know there's probably not many out there, but those that you've talked to or seen what's the rational heads kind of saying about the situation that occurred on the fourth down play in the game on Sunday how do you think Marcus Peters is feeling about it and I want to get into that too because that that to me still confuses me I mean he was losing it but I'll let you have the yeah. floor here on both topics yeah well you know first and foremost I love juice man that guy is an absolute baller he's a ball hawk he's back he's healthy he doesn't have a pitch count on him anymore and at the same time he let his emotions get the best of him that was totally out of line that was ridiculous he had to be held back from John Harbaugh yeah. again I don't dis I don't I don't I don't disagree with what he was upset about and, and by the way he hasn't spoken on this yet so I don't want to put words in his mouth but I think we can all probably agree that it was related to the decision on fourth and two and, you know, look, I keep coming back to a graphic that I saw. I'm going to pull it up just so I can read it to you. I saw this graphic on Good Morning Football this morning. And this to me, while John obviously didn't have this graphic in front of him when he was making the decision, he knew that the game was trending in this direction. Here, here it is. First five drives for the Bills. Three points, 63 total yards three first downs, two giveaways. Ravens defense, to your point, was playing 
exceptionally well given the expectation and the standards that they've set for themselves, not only in the early part of the season, but dating back to last year. Now, put last year in a different basket. You can't even compare the two because of the injury situation that they were dealt with. Um, those were the first five drives. You can't ask for much more. The last five drives, I mean, th here's the difference in the game right yeah. here. 20 total points compiled by the Bills. Last five drives, I'm talking here. 263 total yards to 63 in the first five. 19 first downs compared to three in the first five drives. And zero giveaways. Played clean football. That graphic right there, again, it was not in front of John Harbaugh, but he understood that Josh Allen and company was getting anything he wanted down the stretch. And it's, it's pretty clear cut to me. John can get up and say all he wants, and he has. And I really admire the way that he backed not only his decision today in, in his Monday press conference and gave great logic that I understood. I, understood, I understand the logic behind his decision. Doesn't doesn't mean I, I agree with it. Right. You know, I would I would have taken the points, grabbed the goat. It's a chip in shot, right? For Justin Tucker. And all of a sudden, Buffalo, if they want to win, is forced to put up six in a monsoon with a couple minutes left in the game. Like that to me, based on what I'd seen too, not okay. Like I get it. They'd been really struggling, the defense had been in the second half. But to that point, Zach, they had they had allowed 20 total points to a bills team that is supposed to be the most high powered full all around team in the entire league. Now they've shown in, in recent weeks that they are human, but they can win games. Did that by the way, you came on my show to, to preview this thing last week. We talked about that statistic. It's no longer right now. It, now it you was snap over. That's what kills me. That's what kills me. Right. The Bills and all we had to talk about all week because we couldn't win the close game against Miami. And like you said, and like I was talking about, no, a million different reasons, right, as to why it didn't go down. But it didn't. And then we're talking about the 0-7 and 7, and 7 straight one-score games. Now the Baltimore Ravens are 0-7 and 7, and 7 straight one-score games. Did not know that going into it. That blew my mind after the fact to wind up figuring that out. Here's how I see it, Bobby, when it comes down to those two uh, with that play in particular, because we've been in this situation just last year. The Bills played the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football. They went for it. You got Josh Allen, the biggest freak when it comes to athleticism in the league at the quarterback position. You need one yard. Sean McDermott goes for it. He slips on his own two feet, doesn't get it. Everybody afterwards, why didn't you kick the field? Well, because we didn't get it. That's why you're arguing it. I loved the call. There was two things about this particular uh, moment for the Ravens that stood out to me. One, the play call. You got Lamar Jackson, who in that weather, like you were referring to, that game favored the Ravens, so you would think. They are the better running team by a mile. The Bills don't have a run game outside of Josh Allen. Not only was Lamar running the ball real well yesterday, but J.K. Dobbins, you know, I think he, he had spurts in the game. It wasn't like he had a terrific day. He only had 22 yards on the ground. But there were times where you knew you had to respect him. And if you have that play-action game going with, with Lamar Jackson, the way he was running the ball, well, you, I mean, I, I misspoke, actually. J.K. Dobbins had 41 yards. I'm looking at his receiving yards, but you get the point. He could still become a threat in that situation. But the bigger threat is Lamar Jackson. You have him rolling out for that type of situation, 
backing up 10 yards off the line of scrimmage to get the ball out. To me, the play call in general was a head scratcher. The other thing that I look at here is if you're John Harbaugh, the last thing that you are expecting is an interception. You're thinking the worst case scenario here is that you don't get it. And the bills have to go 98 yards in four minutes to get the job done. So if you're John Harbaugh, I know he's getting grilled, but out out of all the analytics that everybody likes to talk about and the mathematics that you put in to every single different scenario. The one thing I don't think anybody thought of, including me, because as I'm sitting back, you know, rocking in my chair, freaking out, I'm not expecting Lamar Jackson to throw a pick there, but he does. So where I do try and, and defend John Harbaugh here is he was thinking, one, our defense hasn't been able to stop anything this entire half. The odds of them going down and getting a field goal to tie it and bring it to overtime, if not go the distance and score a touchdown, are quite high if we base it on the sample size of the second half. But two, if, if I can score here, it makes it much harder for the Bills to win. If I can't score here, it makes it much harder for them to go down and take that lead. So when you're looking at it from your perspective, Bobby, Is Lamar Jackson getting a ton of grief today for the fact that that ball was turned over or or is it more on John Harbaugh from the Ravens perspective as as far as why that that situation wound up going the way it did and why it ultimately wound up costing the game? Who's getting the more blame today? Oh, Harbaugh. It's not even close, you know, but like when you really dissect the play, it was obviously poor execution you can go all the way back to Greg Roman if you want, and maybe even like poor strategizing, right? Like why, what, what was the play design? You know, what yeah. were you going for? And it was, it's hard to, to see that until we talk to Greg and ask him this week, you know, and, and ask what, what was the vision there? Because it was blown up right away. Advantage Bill's D line. Both tackles were blown out. You know, Falele and and Moses were totally beat and Lamar was dead to rights, you know? So all of a sudden he's just in a situation where, yeah, he's got to throw off his back foot and you know, that's going to get ugly. Yeah. And, um, you know, Hey, Duvernay has been super special, but he's not winning you 50, 50 balls. That's just not his game. So well, especially when you, know you have Lamar, I mean, that's not his strong suit, nor is it really anybody's. I think in Buffalo, we tend to think that it's doable because Josh Allen would be the guy to throw the dime off his back foot 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage. But, you know, that isn't the way you're going to win a game. And that's why we were talking all last week after the Dolphins game. Jordan Poyer was the main difference in this one. That interception oh. was huge. You get the ball back out to the 20. You take your time. You win the game the way you do with a, with a field goal to expire the clock, which here in Buffalo, and we'll talk about this later, um, uh, because we are so used to finding ways to lose games like that. The fact that Sean McDermott took it down to the final play was extraordinary and a real breath of fresh air for us. But Bobby, you know, as well as I, we were, I was just, you know, referring to it with us here uh, as Bills fans with the Dolphins game last week. At the end of the day, you can talk about Josh Allen missing the throw to McKenzie to win the game. You can talk about the missed field goal from Tyler Bass or the missed pick six from Matt Milano, all these different things. At the end of the day, Bobby, the Ravens were up 20 to three in this game and they come out in the second half. They don't score a point. And I think what Lamar Jackson was held to 60 under 60 yards in the second half through the air. I want to ask you, because I know the bills D stepped up, but schematically, how much different could things have been between the second half and the first half to take the Ravens from being able to move down the field and put points up to quite literally not being able to do anything coming into this game. 
highest scoring team in, in the league right now for the Baltimore Ravens. How in the hell did they go into the second half without the ability to put a single point up on the board? Because you can pick point, you can pinpoint on that play with Harbaugh all you want, but they still did not score a single point prior to that. And when you look at it, it's a, it's a full game. The whole second half, they were shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, you know, this is a, uh, unfortunately for Ravens nation, fortunately for, for Bill's mafia this morning, by the way, I'll just got to say, you guys traveled unbelievably well. I know this is no news to you guys. This is old news to you guys. I know you travel better than maybe anybody in the entire country. The amount of bills, and I felt right at home. Uh, I got to let your audience know. I know you know, I'm an Albany guy. Yep. And so while Buffalo and Albany, we know as upstate and Western New Yorkers, we know that if they're nowhere near each other, we still got that upstate New York blood. We still got that New York blood in us. And, uh, I felt right at home. I mean, they, these people were all over Baltimore. I live right in downtown. For those of you who know the area, I live in Fells Point. And uh, I'm telling you, from Thursday night on, Thursday night up until today, I was walking the dog this morning, and I ran into a bunch of, uh, um, you know, Bills fans. And it was incredible. So you guys were well, rep- well represented. But the statistic that I bring up, five straight blown leads at home. It's becoming somewhat of a, th- somewhat of a theme. Uh, you don't want again. You don't want to bring in last season too much and, and speculate too much because it's different teams. Mm-hmm. But these have been, I mean, to give up 28 fourth quarter points to a Miami team that sure, okay, sure, kind of like Buffalo, they are high flying offensively speaking with playmakers on the outside and a and a dynamic quarterback. Not comparing two to Josh whatsoever, but you know what I mean. Um, look, the lack of execution and. Hey, you got to tip your cap to Buffalo too. There was plenty. Ravens had plenty of opportunities. They failed to execute in a number of different scenarios in that second half. But the way that Buffalo has played this team in the Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen era is to be commended. I mean, what Matt Milano does is in space, specifically with that Lamar run. uh, I believe it was on the left-hand side of the field, second half somehow wrapping him up, somehow finding a way to stay disciplined enough laterally is just exceptional. Um, I told the story to your audience, you know, when we first met up that I'm a big Tremaine Edmonds guy, just because I know the family a little bit and, and, and he's from the DMV and went to Virginia tech. I thought he played well. And, uh, just overall, I thought it was a gutsy performance by the bills defense. They have, they're one of the few teams aside from, uh, I guess the dolphins cover zero attack from last year on Thursday night football. If you guys remember that, that has really ha- had an answer for the Lamar Jackson led offense, maybe not in the first half yesterday, uh, but certainly in the second, and I got to give Leslie Frazier and, and company a lot, a lot of credit because, uh, while the Ravens certainly hurt themselves with some self-inflicted wounds um, and and the inability to cash in after long time crunching kinds of drives, right? If you told me, dude, at the end, at the the beginning of this game, that one, the Ravens would hold the bills to 23 total points and possess the football for over 38 minutes, 17 more minutes than the bills did. I would have told you, all right, mark that down as a win. Sure. But uh, it wasn't in the cards. And this is why the NFL is so extraordinary. Last week, the Bills had the ball for over 40 minutes against the Miami Dolphins. They lose. This week, the Ravens, damn near 40 minutes, and the Bills win that game. You can never quite pinpoint 
how a game is going to go based on these stats. I said the same thing last week. If you looked at the Bills numbers, you would have thought that they doubled up the Dolphins, but they wind up dropping that one. I think right now for the Ravens, because I looked at this game and the way that the weather was supposed to be, the way that they've been putting up points, the Bills defense is banged up. It's funny how things pan out. The last thing I thought was going to happen here was that the Ravens D was going to step up, especially in the first half, the way they did force two turnovers score off of them. And then ultimately hold the the, the bills to 23 points. I mean, even, even at the end of it, the fact that the bills scored 23 and one is pretty wild. You look at what the Ravens yeah. have been doing on offense and for this defense, Bobby, that the Baltimore Ravens currently possess, which they're getting roasted by everybody now. I know last night Rodney Harrison saying this might be the worst Ravens defense he's ever seen. I know that, and, and I get it, right? The Ravens defenses of old were so good. Anything other than that, you know, hey, else in comparison. Hey, maybe that was the video that did me in, huh? I put hey, that video be. up on Twitter watching Sunday Night Football, and maybe some Ravens fan got all pissed and hot and bothered at me and yeah. flagged it. Now my Twitter's violated. You know what? I wouldn't put it past Rodney Harrison either. That's a guy over here in Buffalo that. We know how much that guy can't stand us. And unfortunately yeah, yeah. for us, he he beat us a couple of times with the New England Patriots. So I think the feeling might be a bit mutual there. That's why. But <laughs> but with those Ravens, though, Bobby, and the thing that really stood out to me was the fact that this offense for the Baltimore Ravens, the way that they had been playing, what is it that you saw in particular? Maybe I'll, and I, I completely agree with you. Leslie Frazier has defended Lamar Jackson, I think, better than anybody has since he's gotten into the league. I don't know quite what it is. It doesn't seem like it's anything completely out of the ordinary. And like you mentioned, Matt Milano, I, I, he couldn't be having a better season right now if he tried. And one of the more underrated guys in all the league. I was so happy to hear Charles Davis on the broadcast yesterday say that because nobody outside of Buffalo, for the most part, unless you are really, really into football, most people don't know Matt. Milano. If you've been watching him all year, the guy is playing some of the best football out of anybody on the defensive side of things in the entire league. But you set that aside because you look at what the Baltimore Ravens have done week in and week out. They've been scoring 30 plus at will. What is it that stood out to you in particular from the Ravens in this game that didn't allow them to get past that threshold of just 20 points when their defense, you could argue, did hold up their end of the bargain. And how do you see that affecting them going forward? Because us as Bills fans, we look at this game as obviously a crucial win for the current moment. But we're talking about way bigger things when we're thinking about the Bills and the Ravens. We're talking about one seed playoff positioning. The Ravens got to go take on the Bengals, who are now getting increasingly better as the weeks go on, it doesn't get easy for Baltimore. So is there a concern for you right now for the Baltimore Ravens that might stick out that could wind up burning them down the stretch based on what you've seen the last couple of weeks here? Yeah. Offensively speaking, I'm not really concerned. Like you said, I think Leslie Frazier and just the discipline that the middle part of his defense has, has taken when it comes to strategizing against Lamar Jackson has been second it's been unmatched yeah it's been second to none you know really I mean you know again you can put that Miami performance last year on Thursday night football up there but Buffalo's done it repeatedly Miami yeah. wasn't able to do it you know the uh, a couple weeks ago in Baltimore so I, I think offensively speaking they're getting their feet from underneath them J.K. Dobbins as you saw was not only in that first half at least was not only showing his burst and his his cutting ability and just overall how he looks rejuvenated coming off the torn ACL, but he was also getting involved as a pass catcher. And that's what we saw in his rookie season 
in 2020 where he led all running backs in yards per care on in terms of average yards per carry. So again, once they get the ground game going, which they haven't even done so yet, Lamar essentially has been their ground game. And once Gus Edwards gets back into the fray and they kind of have a two headed monster back there, we don't know what's going on with justice Hill who, uh, Remember that 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 play that he pulled up on? It was like a 16-yard run or 20-yard run yesterday. And like the last eight or last 10 yards was after pulling his hamstring and he just gutted it out. I love yes. I love that. But um it reminds me of the way Poyer played. I mean, Poyer was banged up all week long, and yet yeah. he's the difference maker defensively for Buffalo. There's no question about that. So and this is his contract year, you said the other night, right? So he's playing for big time for his life, you know, for his livelihood. I mean, he's sure. all these guys are making great money, but um, so again, offensively, I'm not worried defensively, dude, this is not a, this is unfamiliar in terms of what's expected when it comes to Baltimore Ravens defense. I mean, this is, dare I say putrid. I mean, seriously, yeah. you know, the lack of pressure, the lack of consistent pressure, the inability to sack the quarterback, the inability to when plays break down limit the quarterback. I mean, you should have seen what Mac Jones was doing at times. It was looking like, yeah, you know, Lamar, it was looking like Lamar out there at times in Foxborough last weekend. So, you know, that's an issue. And and I think the secondary depth could come back to bite this team very much. So because after Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters two you know, pro bowl caliber cornerbacks, there's a lot of youth. There's a lot of inexperience and clearly there's been a lot of issues that are out there on tape and throughout the, the first four weeks of the season. So yeah, uh, they got a lot of, ant- you know, look at the same time, we know how much parodies in the AFC, Sure. you know, there's at least five teams that can take it the distance. You would have to think uh, what Kansas city showed last night is like, Oh, Hey, Hey guys, you know, know. we're still here. We're Tyreek less, but it doesn't, it don't really matter because Kelsey's the best tight end in the league. Patrick's an absolute wizard. And uh, Andy Reid's kind of the one that's that's mixing and matching. So, you know, like I said, it's this is the most compelling and most evenly balanced and dangerous conference, man, in quite some time that I can remember when it comes to AFC football. So lots of concerns, but it doesn't mean they can't be there at the end, especially given sort of a lackluster division, inconsistent division. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because you got to think for your for, from your perspective, this game against Cincy is huge. I mean, the Browns losing to the Falcons, massive loss. You have to think that it's going to come down to the Bengals and the Ravens. This game coming up Sunday night, a massive game. And that's why, of course, yesterday was so big the way it went down because one or two plays go a different way. And that could be all the difference between the one seed all the way down to God knows what, depending on what pans out. I always love getting this perspective from people who are entrenched in another fan base and another team, because we see Josh Allen as one way. We see him as our quarterback and the guy that we don't have to deal with. Everybody else has to deal with him. Now I do think about this when I think of Mahomes and of course, Lamar Jackson. I mean, how many plays yesterday, did Lamar Jackson make, even though it was in a losing effort, but how many plays did he make where any other quarterback in the league gets sacked? He winds up getting out of trouble, getting the first down. That's why he was close to yet again, another hundred yard rushing performance. So I understand to some extent what it's like to go against that, but it just seems at times, especially yesterday throughout that comeback, Josh Allen and his ability to do quite literally everything. 
unbelievable. Unlike the Ravens, who have an established run game to some degree and always really have, the Bills have not had one for years. It is only Josh Allen. So from your perspective and the pulse of the Ravens fan base, what was it like yesterday as you go up as much as you do, knowing, hey, yeah, we might be up 20 to three. It's still Josh Allen. They score right before the half. What's the pulse like kind of going into half, knowing Josh Allen is still on that other side and there's still a full half left to go? Oh, well, I'll speak for, yeah, you know, certainly myself and, and some tweets that I saw and some social media reaction. But when the Ravens sort of failed to cash in before, you know, before they handed it back to Buffalo, who ultimately obviously scored before the half was over, and then to begin the second half with an interception, I think it was at that point you're thinking to yourself, "Here we go again." You know, I mean, Josh is is capable of of obviously you know breaking hearts in in this type of situation, uh, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're thinking about that statistic, right? That they're trying to sort of overcome not having won a single digit regular season game since what do we say, December 2020? I think for. The Bills, it was, yeah, it was seven straight games. So if you do the math, yeah, I guess you're probably right. The thing that blew my mind, though, like we were just saying, is the fact that yeah. it, it was the same for Baltimore. I had not realized that teams that you consider to be, you know, the team you'd bet on in that situation have not gotten it done in that stretch. And now you look at Baltimore, which I think is even more concerning. You know, four games this season in the NFL where a team has had a 17 plus point lead and blown it. That's the most already in a handful of years. We're already four games in or only four games in, but the, the Ravens have two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just to finish that thought too, about Josh Allen. I mean, it, this is fan base understands just how dynamic and lethal of a quarterback he is. I mean, they, they understood that, you know, not putting up points there at the end of the second quarter and then coming out of the, of the half with the interception, and all of a sudden you're treading water still with a 17 point lead, you know? So like, uh, I just thought that the resolve that he showed individually in, in Josh's case and, you know, the perseverance in the middle of a monsoon in the second half to lead his team to victory. Uh, you know, we already referenced the just spectacular scramble breakdown plays somehow flushing out of the pocket, somehow getting away from Adafe Owe in Josh's case and then whoever Lamar had to, to, to sneak away from when he lofted up that 50, 50 bobble ball between yeah. Andrews and then it, and then it handed, landed right in Duvernay's hands. And for, and for Josh to put forth a, a very similar play. And I think it was just a sort of a sidearm dart to whoever there was on the side. Was it Shakir on the, on the left-hand side there? I believe you're right. Yeah. And he made the move to wind up getting the first down. He looked at the oh. right. Yeah. I mean, that was just sensational. He stops on a dime and just absolutely sends a laser to Shakir right where it needed to be. Yeah. Um, so again, as Josh said, post game, let's hope these two are matching up, you know, as AFC elites for years to come, because it was an absolute treat. It didn't, you, you know, me, I don't lose sleep over wins, losses, ties, you name it. Sure. Um, I just don't. Cause I didn't grow up a Ravens fan. And when I got into broadcasting before I got into content creation, I just stripped all of my, all of my sports loyalty. So I'm not hurting as much as everybody else is yeah. in town today. I just thought it was a great football game and uh, and one that I hope we see layers of for years to come, because if so, we're all going to be better for it. I mean, it's just 
freaking awesome. I totally agree. I mean, how lucky are we to have those two guys to 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 watch, to analyze, to break down, root for? It's incredible. And that's why, you know, to see Lamar after the game tweet out, you know, good going. First of all, I love Lamar's Twitter. There's always something on there that's giving me a laugh. But I just loved seeing that because I love that these guys – what it seems to be, at least for the most part, they all seem to have a great relationship. These young and up and comers that are going to be the face of the league, if not already. So I do love that. Um, I know you got to run and do another show because as you know, in the content world, it's a never ending cycle. So I'm going to let you bounce. But before I do, the one other thing I wanted to touch on, because right when you joined, you had talked about penalties. I know we could get into a million of them every week, but the one that I feel like the Ravens fans are still just losing sleep over today with is the Brandon Stevens roughing the passer call. Of course, for us in Buffalo, Hey, man, whatever, man, we'll take it. The only thing I saw in it, Bobby, my take at least, and this is trying to be as unbiased as I can. He stopped and then reapplied himself again. I think that's what drew the flag. Talk to me about what the Ravens fans are saying about that call, because you could really argue that that had a big impact towards the final outcome of this game late in the, late in the, uh, in the fourth quarter. Oh, no question about it. Uh, you know, fans lost sleep over that. And I apparently lost my Twitter account over that play. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think what, what did it was, I don't know if it was, you know, I'm not going to call it a flop, but the fact that Josh Allen, you know, fell down and it was a bang, bang play, I think. And it was sort of aw an awkward fall too. Oh, yeah. I think that's what added maybe some pressure on on Jerome Boger's officiating crew to 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 call that flag um but you know ultimately I'll lean on the experts right and Gene Steratore is exactly that for CBS and his tweet essentially saying that yeah that was a hard hit on I'm, I'm paraphrasing here but that was a hard hit on Josh Allen but the contact was neither late nor to the head neck area him falling awkwardly which always adds an additional layer of difficulty for these plays is is obviously something that was taken into account but in my opinion again gene sterator here that did not warrant a flag for roughing the passer what sucks about it is that these guys are taught um, technique and discipline and when you do everything because we all know how much the rules have changed in the last decade in this category and when you do everything perfectly which apparently that's what brandon stevens did according to gene sterator and you still get flagged for it, that just blows, you know, that just blows. And it was obviously, again, like I said at the top with John Harbaugh's decision to go for it on fourth and two, it helped decide the ultimate outcome of this game, but it didn't decide the game. And I, like I said, I think there's a difference between the two. And I think you can apply that to this situation as well. You know, um, Hey, they had other penalties that hurt them as well, that were controllable. This was out of their control, right? This was a, a blatant error by Jerome Boger. The other ones, though, like the Linderbaum penalties and um, on the defensive side of the ball, Patrick Queen not being able to intercept that gift. And I know it was it, it was tough conditions out there and it slipped, whatever. Like the Ravens had their chances to cash in. And, and unfortunately, they weren't able to do it. But yeah, uh, but yeah that one. Uh, that that definitely probably caused a good percentage of this fan base to lose a lot of sleep last night. Yeah, and I think that every year, no matter what, at some point in the season, it's going to happen to every team. Look at, we'll take it all day of the week here in Buffalo. I know that for a fact and speak for everybody. But if it was the other way around, and that's the beauty of these things, it's always based on the perspective of, you know, 
who winds up getting quote unquote screwed, so to speak. I mean, sometimes you win them, sometimes you lose them. But I think it comes back to what we were talking about earlier, Bobby. In games like this, yeah, you look at that call, you look at Harbaugh's decision, but there's so many things throughout the course of the game that you don't often focus on because those few things stick out. 20 to 3 lead, you know, Bills last week. The ability to to take take it away from the, the Dolphins multiple times. The Ravens up thirty five to fourteen against the, the Dolphins could have won that multiple times. It, you just it's hard to focus on it when you lose, but it's it's true. You know, hey, if you would have just done, you know, what got you to there at that point in the first place, you walk out of there with a win. But if it was that easy, I guess every team would go undefeated. So, Bobby, hey, thanks so much for your time as always. And I got a feeling, and tell this to the Ravens fan base when you do get out of Twitter jail, that I think we'll be seeing you again. And I would love to have you back on again when we inevitably wind up doing so. Before I let you rock out of here, let everybody know where they can find you so they can uh, cover the Ravens down the rest of the season here. Because like I said, I mean, they're not going anywhere. That's for sure. It's going to be Bills, Ravens, Chiefs at the top, just a matter of what the order is. I appreciate it, man. You know, it was good to that we could uh, sort of return a favor. You came on my pregame yes. show, and uh, I was happy to come on. Uh, I come on your your review night here because uh, it was one of the best games all weekend. There's no no, no question about that. So yeah, like I said, uh, right before I came on, my Twitter uh, <laughs> I got suspended by the the powers that be apparently from yeah. I think the roughing the passer call that I tweeted out uh, without attribution or whatever. So. My bad there, Twitter gods. I, hopefully I'll be back within 48 hours, but you can find me at Bobby Baltimore. I create daily content on my YouTube channel for all things Ravens and, and Orioles as well. You can just type in my name, like you said earlier on, Bobby, and it's actually Trossett, T-R-O-S-S-E-T. And then if you're interested in uh, and follow along with daily Ravens news too, we do have a, a, a Ravens Vault podcast. That's what it's called, Ravens Vault, which is kind of funny. I mean, I know you guys know Greg Roman and you're part of the world. For sure. And he's joked throughout the years about his offensive vault and the fact that the vault hasn't uh, essentially been revealed in full. And while it's come back to bite him a lot, the Ravens sort of drag him and troll him for that. Yeah. But we did decide to uh, name our podcast the Ravens Vault. So you can go check that out across uh, all your platforms, wherever you get your shows. So, hey, man. Keep enjoying, uh, keep enjoying the ride. It's a hell of a team, and it was a hell of a game, and I'm sure there's plenty more to come down the line. So here's to, here's to a January reuniting. How about it? I agree, and hopefully one where there's better weather conditions because when you got two quarterbacks like that, you don't want to watch them play in the rain. But, hey, I'll be watching your stuff all week because I'm stoked for that ravens Bengals Sunday nighter. That should be a great one. So, hey, keep crushing it. Thanks as always, and I'm sure we'll be linking back up sooner rather than later, my friend. All right, brother. Have a great rest of the stream. Thanks, brother. You too. Or not you too. I always do that. It's like when you go on the airplane and you're like, oh, hey, yeah, you have a good flight too. Bobby Trossett, Bobby Baltimore, my man, such a great dude, killing it. Make sure you go over, give his page a subscribe and a like because, hey, the Ravens are going nowhere. That is for sure. That is a great team. Bills just wound up edging it out in an extraordinary way. That game, I, man. I'm going to be feeling good about that for a while. We got a lot more to talk about when it comes to this game. And Johnny DeMarkey, don't you worry. I see your super chat. Going to get to that in just a second. But before we get into the rest of the show, got to give a shout out to my friends over at, uh, what friends do I have to give a shout out today? Let me look at here. I got a lot of friends. But sometimes I got to shout out one over the other, and I'm looking for my stuff here. Here we go. Found it. Sorry. My friends over at BetUS, you know them. They are absolutely crushing it in the sports betting world. And if you're like me, you made a little coin yesterday when the bills went down. See, I like waiting for the juice. Bills go down. 
Get those heightened odds, throw a little coin, makes the win that much better. You can do that and a whole lot more when you use BetUS. So a quick word from them. And then after the break, we are going to talk much more about the thrilling Bills victory over the Baltimore Ravens. God, I can't get over it. Football is back, and so is BetUS.com for our 28th year of NFL action. With live in-game betting, incredible odds with daily odds boosters, props, parlays, fast payouts, and exceptional customer service, BetUS has it all. Sign up today at BetUS.com. BetUS, where the game begins. Bet US, baby. Make sure to go and sign up with them. It is the bomb. Nothing better than putting a little scratch on the game. It makes them that much more fun. You can sign up via the link right in the description below you here and get a promotional bonus from Bet US and us here at the Buffalo Fanatics. So it, it makes it all that much more better, uh, which is great. Um, thanks again to Bobby T. That was awesome. Always great to get the perspective of the opposite fan base, especially in a game like that, because Hey, we just experienced the same thing last week on the opposite end. Those games suck to lose. Absolutely suck, especially when you know you had it in hand. And like we were just talking about, there's so many different things that could have went a different way in that game that would have resulted in a different outcome. But finally, after seven straight games of losing by one score, the Bills are able to get that monkey off their back. We can stop talking about that statistic and move on with our lives. The Bills can win a close game. They can complete a comeback, and Josh Allen can do just about anything. That game for Josh Allen yesterday, look at you look at the statistics, right? And you might not, you might not take a look at the stat sheet and say, oh God, a career day for Josh Allen. But that's why the stat sheet can be very misleading at times. Last week, you look at the stat sheet against the, the Dolphins, you would have thought, you know, Bills win, MVP, you know, it's crazy to look at the statistics sometimes after the game and try to come to a conclusion because they don't tell the story. Josh Allen was unbelievable yesterday. Yet again, a game where it completely came down to Josh Allen versus everybody else. Josh Allen had to put the team on his back once again. But as Rico and I talk about all the time when him and I get together, this is what you pay Josh Allen for. Games like yesterday, where you, you look around the league and there's maybe a handful of guys who can pull off what Josh Allen was capable of pulling off yesterday in the fashion that they do. Yeah, we see comebacks all the time, but Josh Allen really spearheaded that offensively, at least completely on, on his own. I mean, it was unbelievable what he was able to pull off and it ultimately wound up resulting in the biggest comeback of his career. It was the first time in his career where Josh Allen was able to lead the Bills to a victory where they were down by 17 or more points. And this is crazy. I heard this earlier. You might be thinking to yourself, oh, you, you, you know, Josh Allen hasn't let a comeback like that before. I mean, wh what are we waiting for? Heard this earlier. I believe it was Chris Sims when I was listening to a show earlier that he was on. Drew Brees never led a, a comeback of that amount of uh, points being down in his career. Drew Brees had never let a comeback with the New Orleans Saints once in his career to a victory when the Saints were down by 17 or more points. I mean, it is an incredibly rare feat to accomplish what the Bills did yesterday. You know so because, one, it was the first time he had done it in his career, and two, it was the first Bills victory in franchise history where they didn't have a lead in the entire game until the end of the game. Insane. The only other time it had happened is when the game involved overtime. In this game, the Bills never had a lead until the clock hit zero and the game was over. A remarkable victory for so many reasons. When you break it down and look at it, 
The Bills had no business winning that game when you, when you watch the first half. And I think we get very, very emotional. I know I do. Go look at my Twitter throughout the game. I've told you this how many times before. I mean, you can see every range of emotion within a five-minute period when you follow me on Twitter during the game. Go from the, the happiest you could possibly be to the most depressed you could possibly be within five minutes. But the sentiment amongst everybody online yesterday who, who are, is a member of Bill's Mafia was the same. That first half was borderline unwatchable. It was absolutely horrendous. They couldn't do a single thing right. And that, to me, is why I'm so stoked about this victory. They were able to flip the entire script on a dime. They went from not being able to execute anything to being able to execute everything within uh, uh, you know, the end of the second quarter and the second half. Tremendous. And at the end of the day, the Bills are not going to win every game in the fashion that they did against the Rate or the Rams and the Titans. We know this. And the wind gets sucked out of the salad bit, I think, when we don't see wins like that, because we're not used to the Bills winning close games, nor are we used to them being in them. Anytime we've seen a Bills victory over the last couple of seasons, it's been domination. So we're not used to seeing stuff like this. And I think that's why we get so emotional about it, especially in the beginning of the game when nothing seems to be going your way. But I think we learned over the last two weeks, one resulting in a loss, one resulting in a victory. No matter what's going on in the game, injury-wise, the opponent on the opposite side of the field, if Josh Allen is your quarterback, this team's going to have a chance no matter what. Period. I don't care who they're facing. I don't care who they're missing, where the game is, the weather conditions. It does not matter. It might not always result in a win, but you can rest assured that if Josh Allen is taking the snaps for the Buffalo Bills, this team will be in it with a chance to win every single time. And that's what you learn over the last two weeks. Could have went one way against Miami, could have went one way against Baltimore. I'll take a split down the middle there all day. If you look at the if you look at what the Bills have had to go through early on in this season schedule-wise, what they still have to come before the bye. And I'm not writing off a win or a loss here. Well, let's just talk hypothetically. You know, you, you get that win yesterday, you lose to the to the Dolphins. But with the way you looked at those two games, are you not satisfied with splitting those two games, the way that things went, the injury list? Very easily could be four and oh, very easily could be two and two. You can't have one without the other. As easy as it would be for us to say, man, the Bills should be 4-0 right now, it would be just as easy to say they should be 2-2. Two two. The Steelers are not good. The Bills go into Sunday at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who just lost to the New York Jets. They're going to be trotting out Kenny Pickett in his first ever start. And the Bills are 14-point favorites. I feel pretty confident in saying the Bills are going to win that game. But then the Kansas City Chiefs are the following week. And they look as good as ever right now. God almighty, that game is going to be extraordinary. I cannot wait. But let's just say hypothetically here, Bills go four and two. And I'm not predicting a loss, win, whatever. I'm not writing off the Steelers. I'm not guaranteeing a loss against the Chiefs. It's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing here is kind of going through the, the, the list of possibilities and comparing it to what could have happened and what I think will happen at the, uh, the second half of the season here. Because if you look at the schedule, this is what we should all be insanely excited about. You've already gotten the Rams out of the way, the Titans out of the way, the Ravens out of the way, the Dolphins once, right? You get the Chiefs out of the way before the bye, and then after that, you can expect to be much healthier than we are now with the addition of Tredavious White. And you still have yet to play the Jets, 
the Patriots, the Bears, the Lions, a Packers team who almost lost to a third-string quarterback for New England. This team is in great shape. So splitting those two games, I know it sucks. We could be 4-0. And you can't help but think how close that game was against Miami and how they should have won it. But getting that win yesterday was massive. I don't care how ugly it was, how bad they looked in the first half. The ability to fight back and claw and get that victory after everything seemed to be going against them in the first half. Hell, I didn't see it, to be honest with you. And that's why I got to believe my own words. When I had just said, you know, with Josh Allen, you got to believe there's a chance every time. I got to start buying into that. Because there is, and it's true. It's just so hard as a Bills fan, I think. You've been indoctored into thinking a certain way. Even after all the success in recent years, you still look at that game and you think, how the hell can they turn this around? There's not a thing right now they're doing right. And they're playing against an MVP candidate and Lamar on the other side. The weather's terrible. Nothing seemed to be going right. Nothing seemed like it could go right. And it just seemed from the get-go that that game could get ugly quick. And it's not like we haven't seen it. Last year, you know, similar situation against the Indianapolis Colts. Things got off to a rocky start early, never were able to get back into it. They got their ass kicked. Kind of seemed to be trending in that direction yesterday. The fact that they were able to score 20 unanswered points while holding the Ravens scoreless in the second half, absolutely remarkable. Johnny, sorry it took so long. Getting to your super chat now, my friend. Johnny's saying, coming in late, you may have already said this, but Baltimore versus Buffalo and Miami played uh, 120 minutes of ball, trailed 14 seconds total and lost both games. Wow, that's a really crazy way of putting it. Thank you for that, uh, for that tidbit there, Johnny, because that's the best way to sum up what I'm talking about here. You're talking about two games where you trailed for 14 seconds and you split them. But the craziness of it, right, is if you look at those two games for what they were, you watch both games, and like I said, you got to throw the stats out the window. Splitting those two in this league, where it seems like every game for the most part comes down to one possession, you got to be satisfied. The Bills have every single game they've played so far this year has been against the playoff team. I'll bet my, I'll bet my ass on it. Rams playoff team. Titans Look, didn't look like it against the Bills, but the Colts are terrible, absolutely horrendous. I understand the Jags are up and coming, but Tennessee, the way that they've been bouncing back after that Bills game, I, I, I think that they're in the direction of a playoff team right now. And if they're not, they're going to be incredibly close. But I have them in right now. Miami, more than likely making the playoffs. We'll see what happens as far as health is concerned. Although I don't think the, the Dolphins dip too much in talent when they go from two at a Bridgewater. Sorry to say it. Teddy Bridgewater won plenty of games with the New Orleans Saints. That is not a bad quarterback to have at the backup position at all. I don't think that they're much worse today at all, if at all, with Teddy Bridgewater. Dolphins playoff team. Ravens playoff team. This coming week will be the only game the Bills will play up until the bye where they don't play against the playoff team. And if you can get into the bye four and two or five and one going through that gauntlet with, the, with a doubleheader against the Jets and the Patriots still remaining... To me, that's four wins, unless something crazy happens, which we know it can, but I'm talking at the worst, right? You got to think three and one out of those four games. The Bears, who I, I, they, they're running an offense from 1926, one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. The Lions quite literally have 
on, they're on pace right now to be the worst defense in NFL history. You don't think the Bills are going to run up 100 points against them on Thanksgiving? The Browns, without Deshaun Watson, I mean, this team has got a much easier slate of games after the bye. If they can get out of this gauntlet, four and two or five and one, look out. So that, that to me is why, you know, there's a lot, I think, today that you could be dissatisfied about when it comes to that game yesterday. I totally understand it. But in this league, to have two games like that back-to-back, they could have easily have lost both of them and could easily be sitting at two and two today. And that, to me, is why I'm so over-the-moon ecstatic at the way that they were able to find a way yesterday. And you saw it in both games. They found a way against Miami. And they found a way yesterday. And if you can split that, I'm telling you right now, the way things are are looking going towards the future here with this schedule and this team, you have to be happy about it. Johnny DeMarkey coming in here again saying, anyone else notice the Bills have given up a total of seven second half points in four games against teams that are eight and three versus other clubs. Uh, Rams playing tonight versus... Uh, you know, or Stafford, Lamar, Tua, Tannehill seems good. <laughs> seems good. Are you kidding? And glad you mentioned that, Johnny. You're always pointing me in the right direction. I love it. This defense, folks, I, I think I've come to the official conclusion I, I, over the over the 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 beginning of the season here, the first four games. They're the better unit right now, and that's saying something. And that also is not a knock on the Bills' offense at all, because like I said, Josh Allen is the reason they won that game yesterday. No doubt about it. But when you look at the circumstances that this defense has had to face and what they have accomplished, are you kidding me? They've allowed seven points the entire season in the second half. Those seven points came to the Miami Dolphins when they were missing six defensive starters. And the only reason they were able to get that seven points was because the two biggest missing pieces, perhaps, on that defense in that game, or I would even go as far to say the one missing piece because we knew Hyde was going to be out. But if Poyer is in that game against Miami last week, I have a good feeling that that Jalen Waddle bomb on third and 22 would have been a lot harder to complete. And that is where Miami scored their touchdown would just so happen to be the only touchdown scored on the Bills defense the entire second half this entire season. That right there, folks, is the only point scored against this Bills D the entire second half. And just yesterday, you're still missing Phillips. You're still missing Oliver. Tredavious White is yet to come back. And they hold Lamar Jackson and the number one scoring offense going into yesterday in the Baltimore Ravens scoreless in the second half. And they hold them to 20 points. And let's get, let's get even deeper into that because just like Miami, they gifted Baltimore points again yesterday. First drive, Josh Allen, ball tipped, interception, they're right there. You can't expect the Bills defense to stand tall against Lamar Jackson in that high-powered offense in that type of field position. And then not too long after that, Devin Singletary in a really choppy condition. You got to think the weather had something to do with that fumble. Fumbles the ball away on a nice, on a, on a nice short uh, gain, and Baltimore takes over again, score. So the offense, once again, was able to or not able to, the offense once again put the other offense in a position to get easy points. The Ravens' only two touchdowns of the game came off of those two turnovers. So let's get even further into this. If you look at the last two weeks, 
the only touchdowns that wound up coming, I got to rephrase this because this isn't the way I'm trying to say this. I'm, I'm trying to say it because no, the, 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 the Dolphins, yes. Okay, here we go. Little mind melt there. The Dolphins only scored 14 points against the banged up Bills defense, missing six starters when the ball didn't start inside the Bills' own 10. And then yesterday, the Bills' defense still banged up, still missing two elite players up on the D front, still missing Micah Hyde, still missing Tredavious White. They only allow six total points that didn't come off of turnovers. This defense, with the injuries that they currently have, is extraordinary. And as good as the offense has been, as good as Josh Allen has been, the reason the Bills are 3-1 and one today is because of their defense. Primarily the last two weeks. Primarily yesterday. The Bills' D wound up willing that team to victory. And it allowed Josh Allen to complete the comeback. Because if the Ravens score even once in the second half, that comeback, it doesn't happen. There wasn't enough time. They, they already had dug too big of a hole. The Bills D quite literally had to play a perfect second half in order for the Bills offense to complete the comeback, and that's exactly what they did. Jordan Poyer needs to be paid tonight. Leads the league in, in interceptions, four interceptions in three games for Jordan Poyer. Two coming yesterday, one sealing the game for the Bills. It won it for him. And you can bitch about John Harbaugh's call all you want if you're a Ravens fan, and I understand it because it didn't go your way. We would do the same thing here in Buffalo. I totally get it. But they ran that play. And I don't think anybody, Bills fan, Ravens fan, casual NFL fan, all alike, I don't think anybody was expecting an interception there. And that was the game. And it came down to Jordan Poyer being on the field. And I am a, a firm believer. If Jordan Poyer was on that field last week against the Miami Dolphins, the game would have been different. Not saying they win it. They would have had a much better chance of doing so. The game would have been different. Win or lose, game would have been different. Jordan Poyer, ultimately the biggest difference. When you look at the last two weeks, very similar games, very close, came down to the last possession. One game had Jordan Poyer in it, one didn't. The one that had him, they wound up winning. Matt Milano is to me, is he, not, is he not in running right now, in your opinion, for defensive player of the year? He'll never win it. He's a guy outside of Buffalo no one knows, and you'd have to really, really know football if you weren't a Bills fan to understand how truly amazing Matt Milano is. Matt Milano, and I had said this from the, from the week one, he's hitting, he's hitting the opposing team unlike I've ever seen a defensive player lay a hit, in recent years at least. His open field tackling may be the best I've ever seen. It is unbelievable. Pick six to his credit already this year. Should have had one against the Dolphins. The dude is absolutely incredible. And thank God he's healthy. The biggest issue we've had with Matt Milano throughout his career in Buffalo has been his health. But when he is healthy, name me, I mean, really, he's on a short list of linebackers in this league. And once again yesterday, unbelievable incredible against the dolphins he's been incredible all year really he'll never win it he'll, he'll never even get a nod for it that to me though right now is a complete fact matt milano should be in the running for defensive player of the year the way he's been playing
But it just comes back to my point. This defense right now for the Buffalo Bills is exactly what they need to allow this team to get over the quote-unquote hump. And we knew it to be true. As soon as we got Von Miller, everybody was saying, this is the piece the Bills needed in order to get over the hump to get to the Super Bowl and ultimately win it. But it hasn't been just Von Miller, and we know this. He's been a major factor, of course. But when you add that addition, when you add the beefed-up D-line, when you look at what this secondary is capable of, as banged up as they are, this Bills defense, I cannot stress it enough how incredible they are. And it's probably being overlooked because, you know, they are banged up. You do have Josh Allen. And when you do have Josh Allen, the, it's always going to come down to talking about him and Stephon Diggs in the offense. You know what I mean? That's just the way the, the, everything goes. Usually a defense is only highlighted when your team has a mediocre quarterback. And that's perfectly fine. I understand the reasoning. Josh Allen deserves all the credit in the world. He deserves the headline. Did you watch yesterday? Did you watch any game this season? He's the MVP right now. What's amazing is you really could make the argument about, you know, Matt Milano being up there. And Josh Allen to me right now, he's the MVP. Will it stick? I don't know. There's so many politics involved. You could make the argument for Jalen Hurts. You could make the argument for Patrick Mahomes. I think yesterday it really hurts Lamar to lose to Josh Allen in that fashion as far as MVP is concerned. This is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about politics. Those things matter. Lamar Jackson didn't play a particularly great game yesterday. He didn't play bad by any means. I mean, hell, there were some flashes yesterday where you're like, good God, what are you going to do? You know, he had that incredible bomb down the left side there where it was tipped and caught. How many plays did he make where he got out of the pocket and ran? Once again, almost had 100 yards on the, on the ground again. It would have been the third time this year already. I mean, that's how incredible he is. But Josh Allen led the comeback against Lamar Jackson, even though they don't actually go against each other, but we know how that goes. And he won. So edge to, to Josh Allen. He's the MVP right now. I think I saw a stat earlier where Josh Allen has more yards than like almost more than half the entire league. And he has more touchdowns than like more than a, than a third of the league. Remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. God, yesterday, and I understand because I, I, I get like, you know, you, you, you win against the Rams the way you do. You win against the Titans the way you do. And you, and, and you look back on those games and you're like, well, you know, it was a win, but it wasn't that. But yesterday, I mean, to me, man, that win was much more significant than the other two. Because that more than likely is going to be what you wind up facing in the playoffs. You're not going to have the, the, the Patriots games like we did last year. I mean, that was incredible, but I wouldn't get used to it. You're more likely going to have the game like you did against the Chiefs. And that's what that was yesterday. And once again, back to my original point in that Chiefs game, right? The Dolphins game. I understand they lost both of those. And then just yesterday, they won it. Josh Allen was ultimately the catalyst in all three of them. He put that team in a position to win all three games. Doesn't always work, but you can say that about anybody. You can say that about any team in this league. Josh Allen, at the end of the day, is going to be the guy that you can count on to give your team a chance. And you pair that with this defense right now, who's only going to get healthier, so you'd think. I mean, once you get out of the bye, you're going to have Phillips back. You're going to have Oliver back. You're going to get Tredavious White back. 
Poyer's going to be back to 100%. And the schedule lightens up. It really does. I mean, yes, they have, they have their fair share of tough games after the bye, but nothing like, in my opinion, nothing like it's been to, to kick the year off here. And that, to me, is why I'm so stoked. And that, to me, is why yesterday, that victory, when it really came down to just an eyelash, was so big. So big. Johnny, you are the man. Lots to say tonight, and I appreciate you sharing it with me. You are the GOAT. Ronald Ringler in the chat tonight has watched Bill's game since 1963 when JFK was president. This is an OG appreciation post. I love that. Shout out Ronnie Ringer. Ronnie, listen, I say this to all the, uh, the older Bills fans coming from a younger fan. At the end of the day, we all still want the same thing. Whether you've been watching since JFK was president or you're like me, who's only 25, the beauty of that difference in age and that difference in the amount of time that we've spent watching the Bills is that when the Bills do eventually win the Super Bowl, we all get to share it together for the first time. That, to me, is the coolest part about all of it. Because if you're like me, all you knew growing up was awful Bills football. And then the older fans, I mean, of course, they, they know how bad it was, but they also got to experience some of the greatest football ever. So you get to have all this shared torture, I guess. You get to also have all this shared success because now I'm finally seeing some. And then when it all culminates... We all get to experience it together from those different perspectives. It's going to be one hell of an experience. <sighs> Yesterday, man, I, I, I tweeted out, I said, I'm going to be riding a high on this one for a while. And I had talked to my dad earlier today. And, and this, is, this is kind of like the varying perspectives, I would say, between, you know, the age, the age difference, like we were just talking about here. Um, I think my dad's a little bit more pessimistic when it comes to stuff like this than I am, which is shocking because I can get pretty pessimistic. Not going to lie. I've tried to shift gears in the Josh Allen era here because I've had less of a reason to be pessimistic, at least far less than I, than I had growing up. That's for sure. But we were talking earlier today, and I think there's a lot of different ways you could look at this game yesterday. And don't get me wrong. My dad was over the moon stoked about the victory. I mean, like we were talking nonstop about it, but I think we were also, you know, chatting about, things yesterday that that weren't ideal and, it, and it's fair to talk about those things because there was a lot yesterday that wasn't ideal the bills were awful on third down yesterday horrendous four for 11 which by their standards is as bad as it could possibly get because they had been one of the best teams in the league on third down going into that game and you're facing off against the ravens defense who, like I keep mentioning, going into that game, worst total defense in the league. The last thing you expected was that third down efficiency. Not good. And then once again, they're just not able to run the ball at all. They're just not able to run it. The third down thing I'm not going to get used to. I don't think that's going to be a weekly occurrence. I'm much more likely to believe in the fact that they are the better third down team that we've seen prior to yesterday. It was an awful, it was awful conditions yesterday. I mean, I'm not going to blame it on that. I'm just saying there were, there were aspects of that game that I think played into the fact that the bills weren't great on third down, but at the end of the day, they were, they just weren't. So that was a concern, but we've also seen how great they can be in that department. So I'd have to see more. I'd have to see a downward trend continue in order to believe that that's the way it's heading. 
but it's something to keep an eye on. The one thing that I think sticks out the most, and it's the one thing that sticks out every week almost, it, it, it's, it's the running game. It, it's just awful. It's, it's terrible. And I got to tell you, I think that that's why Baltimore was able to have a decent day on defense compared to their standards yesterday. They don't, have, they don't have to worry about a Bills defense or a Bills run game. No defense does. They don't have to respect it. And I think that that plays in the favor of a weaker defense when you only have to focus on one thing, and that's Josh Allen. But the thing of it is, even if you are focusing on him, good luck. And I keep saying, and I, I know that this is, you know, the, a shared perspective amongst a lot of people where it's like, you know, you can't rely on Josh Allen to keep doing this. You can't rely on him to run the ball as much as he does for as many yards as he does. And I keep saying this. It's such, it's such a, a double-edged sword for me because I do agree with you. I think, I think that it, it's a lot to ask, and I think at times you can't help but think to yourself, when's it going to catch up to him? But at the same time, I cannot sit here and worry about things that haven't happened yet. At Safe Light, God we'll damn take it, care every time these stupid ads, I'm looking at the stats. What I, what I can focus on is what I know. And what I know is when Josh Allen is asked to do those things, to run, to put the game in his hands, he, do, he does it at, at a clip that nobody else – I mean, there's, there's like a 1% there's, – there's a 1% quarterback class in the league that can do that. I mean, yesterday, when Josh Allen needed a first down, he'll run for it. When Josh Allen needs to make a play, he'll make it. So, yes, you, you, sit, to your, you sit and think to yourself, well, they can't run it. Yeah, but they still have Josh Allen. Who It doesn't matter what he does. It, do, it doesn't matter. He still had 11 carries for 70 yards. Lamar Jackson, 11 carries for 73 yards. I mean, that's what you have in Josh Allen. Not only do you have the ability for him to make the plays through the air that he does. I mean, Lamar Jackson, when it's all said and done, could go down as the greatest rushing quarterback to ever play. I, I got a feeling that that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> Josh Allen right there. I mean, right there. I don't think he's as explosive as Lamar Jackson is when they do get running, but he's also, Lamar Jackson's not nearly as durable or as bulldozer-like-ish as Josh Allen is. When you think Lamar Jackson, you think about the ability to run and the ability to flat out do things nobody else can. The thing is, Josh Allen totally can. You know, Josh Allen yesterday, 213 through the air and a, and a touchdown. You look at that stat and you're like, well, you know, pretty pedestrian. But 70 yards on the ground to once again lead the team in rushing. I think now that, what are we, four games in? This is the third, uh, third game out of four total where he's led the team in rushing. They've won two of the three. And the one, you know, the one they lose, they're right there. So I got to stop worrying about the what ifs because right now all I, all I can focus on is what I see and what I do see is Josh Allen absolutely dominating in that department. And yesterday they needed him to do it. The weather conditions are terrible. People are dropping balls left and right. Put the, put the ball in Josh Allen's hands. And that's exactly what they did. And you got to give credit to this coaching staff too. Like, we were, like I was talking about earlier with Bobby. Nobody has defended Lamar Jackson better since Lamar Jackson has come in this league than Leslie Frazier. Even the first time that they played the Ravens in a losing effort when the Bills did not have nearly the roster they do now, 
I was at that game. I still remember watching it saying, man, you know, they're giving Lamar trouble. I mean, that was Lamar's MVP year, I believe, or the year after, whatever. I mean, still MVP caliber, coming either coming off of it or going into the, the victory. Either way, I remember watching that game in person saying, it just seemed like the Bills were the inferior team, and they were. But I remember thinking to myself, man, no one really has given Lamar fits like this all year. They still wound up winning. He still wound up having a pretty decent day, but it wasn't like it was to the standard that we had come accustomed to seeing out of him that season. And then you go on to the next two uh, matchups, the playoff game in which we win and hold the Ravens to three points. And then yesterday, absolutely shut down Lamar Jackson when it counts. And yesterday, like I, like I alluded to earlier, the two touchdown drives for Lamar Jackson came off turnovers where they were able to start with the ball in the Bills' territory. Leslie Frazier held Lamar Jackson in the highest scoring offense in the league yesterday to six points. To six points when the offense did not turn the ball over and gift Lamar Jackson the ball inside opponent territory. And on top of that, zero points in the second half. Zero points in the second half. Let's get to some super chats. Mafia talk coming in here saying, how you feel about the Saquon talk? Bench Cook for Duke this game. Well, uh, tough to bench Cook when he barely played at all yesterday. And what I really liked out of, uh, or what I've really liked so far to supplement the lack of a run game, and I see some comments in here that's saying, you know, you know, kind of touching on the run game a little bit. And look, at the end of the day, yeah, is it, is it the worst run game we've ever seen? No, but it's, it's, not, it's not threatening at all there's no need to have to focus on it if you're game planning against the bills when you know at the end of the day the game is going to completely come down to josh allen and what he does against you that's your game plan there's it's not like you got a guy in the backfield that you have to game plan against i think singletary is a i think he's an adequate running back i like there's a lot of things i like about singletary i really don't think that opponents are game planning you know, during the week before the game, how the hell are we going to shut down Devin Singletary? That's not the talk. The talk is how the hell are we going to not, it's not shut down Josh Allen. It's how are we going to limit Josh Allen? And I think that when you have other teams like the Buccaneers, for example, I know last year they, or last night, they didn't showcase this. They couldn't run the ball at all last night, but you know, Leonard Fournette has been an extraordinary back for them. And the reason I think that he's done so well in that system and why the Bucs have done so well since Tom Brady's gotten in there is because it's not completely reliant on Tom Brady to win you the game every, every night. Fournette's won them plenty of games. Fournette's put them in great situations. Their run game compared to the Bills, much better, in my opinion. I think when you play against the Bucs, not only do you have to worry about Tom Brady, you have to worry about the ability to run the ball for the Bucs. With the Bills, not so much. With that said, though, it ultimately comes down to what I've been talking about the last 15 minutes here or so. It's mitigating Josh Allen. And when it comes to the run game, technically the run game is Josh Allen and nobody can stop it. Nobody can stop it. Yeah, you can, you can rule out Singletary. You can rule out Moss. Didn't even get a touch yesterday for James Cook. You don't have to worry about that, but you have to worry about Josh Allen. So what does it matter? What does the rest of it matter? And I know you can change this narrative every week too. Like last week against the Dolphins, oh, if we had a run game, you could, you could say that all, every week. To me, though, it, it's just, okay, yeah, maybe the Bucs have a better run game than the Bills, but Tom Brady can't, can't move like Josh Allen. So to me, it kind of, it evens out a bit. 
There's going to be games where you, you're going to say to yourself, man, I wish the Bills could run the ball better. For sure. But the way I see it, I, I have a tough time. I have a tough time having that bring down my mentality when it comes to thinking about this team. Because I know that Josh Allen, if they do need to run the ball or they do need to extend a drive in milk clock, he's going to be able to do it. So that's why it doesn't really concern me. And I think at different times it will, but I have to continue to think this way because, you know, once again, not to belabor the point here, but good luck stopping it. They knew what they were going to do yesterday. It's pouring rain. The Ravens know that they cannot establish a proper run game with their backs. They have to shut down Josh Allen. They still couldn't do it. Averaging over six yards a carry. Mafia talk saying, how you feel about the Saquon talk? I mean, well, who said it? Boomer Esiason? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, who else is saying it but him? Would it be great? You better believe it. I think Saquon's the best running back in the league right now. They're not going to just gift them to us. I don't know what the hell the Bills would have to give up, nor do I, under, nor do I know where they're going to get the money to pay him. He's in a contract here. And the way Saquon's been playing this season, somebody's going to pay him. I don't know where the Bills are going to get the money to do that. Um, I, I don't know how true that is. If I, hear it, if I hear it from, you know, Schefter or Ian Rappaport, <laughs> okay, yeah, you got me. But I think Boomer Esiason was just kind of shooting out ideas. But don't get me wrong. It's an idea I would not mind having come true. That's for sure. Johnny coming in. What's Johnny got to say? Pay that man. What are they thinking enough? Well, yeah, I mean. Jordan Poyer couldn't really show you much more at this point. Either they're going to pay him or they're not. Uh, yeah, uh, Jordan Poyer needs to get paid. It's just a matter of how they're going to figure it out. I have been of the belief that they will find a way to sign him for a short-term deal. In my opinion, I think, it, I think it's going to be a two-year deal if and when they get it done. But this team's got a lot of money that they're going to have tied up in different areas soon here. I have faith that they're going to wind up getting it done with Poyer. I think, they, listen, if we can see it as blatantly as, as it's been, you know, shown to us the last two weeks how important he is to this team, you got to imagine Brandon Bean is of the utmost awareness. If we, if we know it, then he knows it. And I, you know, we, we heard from his agent that talks were going well, that they're progressing. I think it was a really good sign that Jordan Poyer was available right out of the gates for camp, right into the season. I'm confident in a deal getting done. I'm even more confident today knowing, hey, the way he's been playing, you're getting every, you're, you're getting every dollar you put towards him is going to be worth it, every single cent. But like Tammy's coming in here saying, or Tommy, excuse me, like Tommy's coming in here saying, do we pay Tremaine Edmonds? I mean, there's a million questions here. You just paid Micah Hyde, Josh Allen's contract kicking in soon, and you know it, you know it. As soon as these quarterback contracts start kicking into gear, the rest of the team suffers. And that's not a knock on Josh Allen. That's not a knock on the quarterback position at all. It's just the way the league's operated. What are you going to do, not pay Josh Allen? Because somebody will. Are you kidding me? And like I told you before, the way the Josh Allen deal is going to look in a couple of years from now, it's going to look like they stole him. Trust me. When Lamar gets his deal, and he will, and when Joe Burrow gets his deal, and when Justin Herbert gets his deal, Jalen Hurts, whoever the hell else, the market's only going to go up and up and up and up and up. 
So it's going to look like a steal, but it's still the majority of the cap. And that's why, you know, like when, with the Chiefs, you don't think they would have loved to keep Tyreek Hill? Of course they would have. But how are you going to pay everybody? There's got to be casualties at some, at some area. The way I see it, though, the way things have been going with Poyer, and he also knows, you know, Tyreek Hill is still in the prime of his career. And not to say Poyer isn't, but at that position, I think that Poyer knows this will be his last contract with the Bills until, you know, these guys become journeymen. It's the way it goes. But I look at it and think, well, you already re-signed Hyde, and that, of course, is his main man. Poyer is loved in Buffalo. He seems to really enjoy being there. So I, I, am, I am very confident in a deal getting done. Just a matter of what that deal is and how long they're able to keep him around for. Uh, let's see, Johnny coming in here again saying, can they do Poyer and Edmonds? <laughs> Listen, I, I don't... I, these questions blow my mind because I think some organizations can and some organizations can't. Maybe five, six years ago, I would have said, I don't know how the hell you do it. But then I look what the LA Rams have done or the, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks or teams who just seem to have an endless amount of cap space. And then you come back to reality and think this isn't the, this isn't the MLB. Everybody's working with the same amount of money. So some, somehow, some way it's possible. So yeah, can they do it? Sure. How? I have no idea. Will they? I have no idea. But if you're asking me this right now, if I, you know, if I had Brandon Bean in the room here, you think he's going to tell you that he wants to give up either one of those guys? Hell no. It's a, it's a matter of, you know, is the capability there and are the two guys you're working with able to structure a deal with you to be able to allow it to work? There's a lot of different elements that go into it. The biggest difference here between Poyer and Edmonds is this, this would be Edmonds' first extended contract. So, of course, he's going to be looking for a lot more money than Poyer would be towards the tail end of the career. Position like linebacker, where you're really not getting, you know, well, for one, you're not getting quarterback money, obviously, but you're also in a, you're in a, you're playing in a, a position where you need to capitalize big time on your first contract if you want to leave this league well-paid. You know, people forget that. It's not everybody's a wide receiver, corner, defensive end, quarterback. There's positions in this league where you have got to capitalize on that contract if you want to leave this league satisfied with the amount of money you made. And, you know, as much as these guys, I'm sure, would want to stay in Buffalo and as much as we'd want to keep them, all these factors come into play. So it'll be interesting. But I got to tell you, right now, the last thing I'm worried about is keeping Edmonds or Poyer or whatever. I don't give it. I, I don't care. Let's deal with that when we need to deal with it. Right now, we need to focus on what we have at our disposal currently. And we have a hell of a team. And we have those two guys on our team. And those two guys are also making a hell of an impact on this team towards the success that we've had. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy what we have while we have it. Because it is inevitable, folks. At some point, you know, they're not going to be on this team. This team isn't going to be the same. But that's why this year is so special. I, I love the talk because it, it's got to be had at some point, of course. Right? Obviously. But what made this year so special to begin with? The fact that we have all of these guys on this current team. So we need to focus on that right now. And let all that other stuff get figured out when it needs to be. But right now, Poyer, major impact. 
major. Admins, best year of his career, I, I would say, by the, by the end of it. The way that things are going right now, that's what I'm a firm believer of. And we have all the other playmakers surrounding him, this team right now. It's as good as it's going to get. So enjoy it right now because, folks, you're watching it. You see it. No need to focus on the future right now. And believe me, the, 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 all sports is, is, you know, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? There's never been a better time ever to focus on the present, if you're a Bills fan, than right now. See some people talking about injuries in here, and rightfully so. Of course, the Bills have a pretty long injury list. Much healthier this past game, and don't tell me that wasn't a factor. Obviously, we've been talking about Poyer, but of course, Mitch Morris was back, and we know how much we missed him against the, uh, the Dolphins. So I wanted to have Thydock on tonight to give us an update, but unfortunately, he is a hard-working son of a gun, and he's working late tonight. But he is a man of the people, and he sent me a, uh, a synopsis of different injury updates. So I'm just going to read aloud to you what the thigh doc sent me over. So currently Isaiah McKenzie, which by the way, and I know like every week it seems like he'll make a play or two where you're like, ah, Oh, dirty. Come on. Like, you know, get out of bounds or what are you doing? Dancing behind the first down line, get, get the damn first down. Dude's got three touchdowns this season already. I am so over the moon happy for my man, little dirty. I absolutely love Isaiah McKenzie. You know me. If you've been watching this show for any period of time, you know my love for Isaiah McKenzie. You also know how much I wanted him to succeed this year in this updated offense under Ken Dorsey with Cole Beasley gone. I felt like it was a perfect opportunity for Isaiah McKenzie to have a big year and look at him. One touchdown all last year, three already this season. I'm loving it. So he's currently in concussion protocol, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, Thigh Doc says we'll see how it goes. And you can expect the concussion protocol to be much more diligent than it has been in the past. And look, good, good. I think some good's going to come out of this, this Tua situation. I think for a long time, these players were getting put back in the game when they shouldn't be. And I understand it sucks when it burns you, right? You know, it's, if Josh Allen were to get one and he couldn't make a game, it sucks. Well, wouldn't you much rather have him for the longevity than you would for one game. Tua should never, ever have been in that game the other night against the, the Bengals. And the NFL and the Dolphins, and unfortunately for him, Tua, you know, they paid the price. But you can expect the outcome of that situation to be players suffering or potentially suffering concussion to be under much more scrutiny when it comes to the ability to get back on the field or not. And that's a good thing. So McKenzie currently in concussion protocol. Thydoc says we'll wait and see. If it were, if it, if it were, you know, from my perspective, I doubt it. I doubt we see him. But all depends on what they wind up ruling. Unfortunately, as you, I'm sure you know by now, Jameson Crowder uh, potentially out for the year, uh, broken ankle, as well as a high ankle sprain, and. Uh, all Thydoc had to say on that was, quote, no bueno. And I think you can put the pieces together there. Uh, that, that, it's really unfortunate. Really unfortunate because, you know, Jamison Crowder so far for this team, I don't think you look at it and be like, oh, my God, what are we going to do without him? But if you really pay attention, and I know all you guys do, he has made some great, timely plays for this team. And I think he has been an extraordinary addition with the absence of Cole Beasley. I think that for a veteran wide receiver, for an addition to this offense, Jamison Crowder has fit that mold perfectly. 
And uh, it really, really sucks to see him go because he's made some great plays thus far this season. And I was uh, excited to see him continue to gain on that success throughout the year. But according to Thigh Doc, and I think really according to anybody who kind of saw that go down yesterday, not looking good for Jamison Crowder, broken ankle, and that more than likely will result in a season-ending injury for him. Now, here's where things get real interesting. Because believe it or not, folks, we're already heading into week five. This season, you know, it's like anything else. When's it going to get here? When the hell is the season going to start? Oh, my God, I can't believe it's football. I can't believe it's here. Like, what the hell? There's no way where the, the Bills are playing right now. Week five. Like, it's insane how that goes. The good thing about that, Trey White. Trey White time soon. Now, when exactly? We don't know. And I know Thigh Doc has come on here and given his predictions. As far as when he thinks he'll be back, it's kind of up in the air. But Tredavious White is eligible to start practicing tomorrow. Now, Thydoc tells me the team can wait two more weeks on Tredavious White if they wish. And then after that, they have 21 days of practice before they need to decide on activating him to the 53-man or not. So... What you can take away from that is you're going to be seeing Tredavious White soon. Now, I know Thydoc has said, if you can, it would be more beneficial for Tredavious White and, of course, for the Bills to allow him to fully heal it to the nth degree. By now, technically, he can, he can, can't, he can practice and you know, he should be good to go, so to speak, but... The current situation the Bills are in with the bye week coming up in a handful of weeks here, in my opinion at least, if you can get to the bye and allow Tredavious White to get to the bye as well without playing him and then get him ready to go afterwards, that to me seems ideal. But that's right around the corner. Like I just said, Tredavious White eligible to practice tomorrow. And I got to imagine... You got to think by the time the by the time the Green Bay game comes around, he'll be ready to rock. If not that, because that's the first game uh, off the bye, I wouldn't be shocked to see Tre'Davious White in that one. Um, and that's October thirtieth. The Jets the following week, November sixth. I, I don't know. I don't quite know where I'd make my prediction as far as when I think Tre'Davious White will be back. All I know is it's going to be soon, and that's a real, real great thing to be able to say. Because I've been praising this Bills D for good reason, not only tonight, but all throughout the year. And just wait till he gets back in the mix. Look out. And I mean, you know, I see people in here. Uh, someone mentioned uh, Elam. I mean, an incredible day for Elam yesterday. Shut down. I don't think he allowed a single, uh, a single reception yesterday. Pair that up with Tredavious White. Get everything cooking at the right time heading into playoffs. Ooh, baby. Oh, my God, I can't wait. And then uh, one more note that Doc put in here. I don't have everybody on here, uh, obviously, but he also put in that Ike Bucker is also eligible to start practicing again tomorrow as well because he's been on the IR along with, um, along with Tredavious White, and so he's in the same situation. Doc tells me he can start practicing tomorrow, and then uh, same situation for him, just a matter of time if and when he winds up getting back into things. So... Good news on the injury front, I would say. He didn't update me on Phillips or Oliver, but, I mean, you know, Thydoc has been telling me Oliver would be, should be ready to go the last two weeks. And I'm not putting it on 
you know, thigh doc. I mean, he, he's only doing his best of being able to predict things. I, I think he was probably right. It seemed like Ed Oliver was going to be back. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but the, the, the thought of having, you know, Phillips back Ed Oliver back throwing Tredavious white back into that mix. Poyer. I mean, my God. You know, I mean, think about it. And like I was talking about earlier, you know, you get through this gauntlet to begin the year. And I mean, could you imagine, you know, getting the W over the Chiefs, rolling the Steelers this week like you're supposed to, heading into that by five and one, getting everybody back healthy? Oh my God. You know, yesterday just got me jazzed, man. It's got me jazzed because I just think that it was it was the, the easy answer yesterday were to think, oh, well, you know, that Dolphins loss is going to turn into two losses. They're, they're drained. They're banged up. No energy. And that's what it felt like. That was, that was the most disheartening thing I think about yesterday. And that's why I was so stunned the way it went, the way it wound up resulting in a, in a victory. Um, because it, they look so flat and so unenergized. And that's just, to me, not the way the Bills are. It's not the way they operate. It's not the way they're run. Um, the, you know, the character of that team never portrays like laziness or a lack of energy. And it seemed like that pretty palpably in the first half. And that to me, the fact that they were able to just turn the whole thing around just goes to show you this team is capable of winning any style of game at any time against anybody. Yesterday, I think when you, you know, you look back at last year, right? We talk about this all the time. You look back at last year and, you know, the, the game you should have had against um, the Steelers and you didn't. The game you should have had against the Titans and you didn't, right? And then you, you look at the seeding when the end of the year comes around and, and you're not the one seed and, and you start putting the pieces together. Well, if this would have happened, if that would have happened. Um, this game yesterday, I think, is going to be one of those games you look at when the season ends, and instead of last year saying, man, we could have had that one, we could have had that one, you're going to look back and say, man, thank God the Bills found a way to kick it in gear in the second half in Baltimore because that wound up being all the difference in the seating. So, huge one yesterday. Don't let the ugliness of it deter you from the fact that the Bills beat a Ravens team that is going to be a top seed come playoff time. One of the best offenses in the league. Lamar is going to be in the MVP race by the time it's all said and done. The defense, I would imagine, gets better at some point. They can't be the worst defense in the league all year, you'd think. They looked decent yesterday. That was a hell of a win. On the road in those conditions, down 20-3. to three. You know who winds up getting the credit for those wins all the time is the Chiefs. Uh, only the Chiefs. You know how, how many times have you heard, oh, you know, the Chiefs can go down 100 points to anybody. They're never out of it. Well, the Bills didn't really have the, the ability to claim that narrative because they have not won those games. And last year, you look back at the close games and that wound up doing them in as far as seeding is concerned. And they got one yesterday, a huge one. And frankly, one they probably should have had no business getting. I mean, that was a... Come on. I mean, think, think, think to yourself. Where, where, where were you mentally after that, you know, after that Singletary fumble? It was not looking good, man. There was nothing about that game in the first half yesterday that had you thinking anything good was going to come from that. It just felt like one of those days until it wasn't. Hell of a win. Hell of a win. And now we move on to Pittsburgh. 
I got to tell you, I looked at the line for this one. 14-point favorites. I mean, that is gross. That is gross. Two-touchdown favorite. And I gotta, I'm trying to think to myself, the way I see it going, there's no way I see them losing, obviously. But, uh, you know. Oh, God, excuse me. When you think about the coming game here, and you think about the way things went with them last year, and, and how the Steelers, week in and week out, you never really know who you're getting. The Steelers are one of those teams, especially recently, over the last several seasons. You don't know what Steelers team is going to show up. 14 points is a lot of points to lay if you're a betting man. But they just lost to the Jets. And it's at home, only the second home game of the season so far for the Bills. Kenny Pickett's walking out there against this defense. You know, that, I don't see that going particularly well for him. I mean, good, good God, could you imagine your first NFL start going, being against this Bills defense in Buffalo against that crowd, that D, with Josh Allen on the other side? Is Caroline's in here ripping me apart? What is she doing over here? You could not pay me enough to smell Z-Bots. My, well, well, I kiss you all the time. Whoa! What's that say about you, Caroline? Ouch! Let me tell you what, this smells like roses. What's Z-Bot going to sound like when he's 50? Probably, probably won't sound like anything. I won't be able to talk. I probably won't have the ability to speak. My lymph nodes are already, they've been, they've been swollen. They've been, you know, slowly slowing. What am I? They've been slowly enclosing on me since I was born. So I got to think by the time I hit 50, I'm going to have to come on here and all my thoughts, I'm going to have to type them on the screen, kind of like Stephen Hawking. And then like Siri or something will read it out to you. But I think by that time, by the time we hit like 50 years old, they'll have the AI technology to where like if I type it, it'll sound exactly like I sound now. So you won't really be able to tell. I'll just like type it out and it'll look and feel like I'm talking. Except I'm totally not. Um, can someone tell Z-Bot to buy me those Apple headphones? You'll never use them. So for those who don't know, just joining for the first time, Caroline's my girlfriend, obviously. And she wants these headphones. You want to know why she wants these headphones? So I was, I was down uh, with her the other day. She, she's got her exam coming up for nursing. And if she passes, she's officially a, a, a nurse, a registered nurse. Awesome stuff. Very proud of her. But we're out studying the other day. And, and you know, she's the type of gal she's got to study in public. She's one of those. Yeah, she's one of those. She's got to go study in public. Um, but it keeps her honest, I think. You know, if she's at home, she'll, she'll kind of dick around and won't get anything done so i think when she goes and studies in public it keeps her honest she knows she's there to do one thing and one thing only in that study but anyway i go i go with her and i'm working on my own stuff i got my i got these headphones on and she just keeps looking at them right afterwards we leave she's like oh i want those no you you only want them because i have them i said i if i didn't do this show if i didn't do a podcast that requires headphones i would never use these and to anybody thinking about you know owning a pair of headphones like this Unless you do stuff that requires headphones, absolutely no need on earth to spend the amount of money that these things cost on these headphones. But of course, she wants them because I have them. And I'm like, no, you'll never use them. You'll never use them. I got her an Apple Watch, and she pretends to use it. She pretends to use it 
when I'm around. I'm telling you. I bought her an Apple Watch for something. I forget. Anniversary, birthday, something. And I'm telling you right now, I think I only, I think she only uses it when I'm not, when I'm around. That's it. So, Caroline, if you want these headphones, ask the nice members of Bill's Mafia here on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel uh, to donate to your GoFundMe. And maybe I'll throw a couple bucks in there, too. Maybe I'll, throw, maybe I'll throw four or five bucks in there to help the cause. Anyhow, give me your thoughts in the comments here. I'm interested. 14 points for the Bills this coming week. That's the favorite. If you had to bet on it, are you taking the Bills with the points? Or do you think it's going to be a, you know, a game where you know, it's not necessarily close? I mean, that's the crazy thing. The Bills could still dominate the Steelers and not cover that spread. The Bills could win by 13 points, and you'd feel confident all game. And they still don't cover that spread. So, you know, I, I think that that is a lot of a points to lay. But at the same time, I could 100% see the Bills covering it. Um, I have no – there's not a single thing I think about when it comes to this game against the Steelers that concerns me. Their offense has been abysmal. They lose TJ Watt. The defense has not been close to the same since. And that's supposed to be their strong suit. And I understand TJ Watt, the cornerstone of that defense. And losing him, major blow. But, I mean, their defense has been a fraction of itself since he went down. So, I look at this game, you know, the spread, it does seem like a lot. But I think sometimes the, the bigger the spread, it, it tries to deter you from betting it. Something about it makes me feel like the Bills cover it. But who cares about the spread? All they got to do is get the victory. And I really want to get this game done and over with. I don't want to look past it. I don't. But, I mean, we're only human, right? This is the game standing before the big one, right? Bills, Chiefs. Because right now, I mean, truth be told, the Eagles, they're, they're extraordinary. The Eagles right now, top of the league. You could argue, you, you know, everybody has their argument, right? It could be the Eagles, it could be the Chiefs, it could be the Bills. Whatever. I'm not concerned about the Eagles until we play them in the Super Bowl, if we do. That's the only time I'm going to be concerned about the, the Eagles. They, do, they have nothing to do with us. The only thing that, that they would have to do with us is, is where we rank on the power rankings compared to them. Uh, four words for you. Who the, who the hell cares? Who the hell cares? I, I, I don't care about the Eagles. They're fun to watch. I like Jalen Hurts, but I don't care about them when it comes to the Bills. So here's the way things lie. Raiders get their first win yesterday. Broncos are terrible. Awful. The fact that the Raiders were 0-3 going to that game was crazy. I think all three of their losses prior to that were one score. They've had a tough time getting over the hump. They finally get one yesterday against the, uh, the Broncos. And so here we lie. The Bills go into next week, and they play the Steelers 14-point favorites. You got to think that they roll, right? Not so easy for the Chiefs. Chiefs are hosting those said Raiders Monday night football this coming week. And that's where I think things get interesting. The Bills have an easier game, 1 o'clock on Sunday, and then they move on to the Chiefs. The, the Chiefs have a Monday nighter against a divisional opponent who, despite their record, is a damn good team, and then they carry that into Buffalo. So two different animals for both those teams going into this week. You wonder how that, if at all, if at all carries into the following week. But I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Bills go into the Chiefs, into Arrowhead, two Sundays from now, four and one, and the Chiefs go into 
that game three and two. Raiders, and you know it, the Raiders have had the Chiefs number. They don't always win, but they always give the Chiefs a tough game, even when they weren't near the, with the roster they currently have. That's going to be a better game than you might think. And you have to wonder how that winds up weighing on the following week. You know, I think that stuff matters sometimes. Who you play the week before, um, short week. Everybody wants to say it doesn't matter. And, you know, like, like, like a Dolphins fan would say, oh, you're not allowed to make those excuses. That's an excuse you're not allowed to make them. Well, I, as you well know, you know, injuries and short week and stuff, it plays into the game. It matters. So we'll see. I just find that to be an interesting tidbit there. I think going into a game like that, I would much rather be in the Bills situation than the Chiefs situation. But, you know, that's neither here, there, here nor there. We got to focus on the Steelers first. This coming Sunday, 1 o'clock. And hey, how about this? If you're not going to the game, the Bills are getting their first big-time broadcasting crew during an uh, afternoon game this season. Uh, Tony Romo and Jim Nance. The lead CBS crew on the call for the Bills this coming Sunday. And uh, it's a new era for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We will not be going against Maserati Mitch, the former backup for Buffalo. We will be going against the only first-round quarterback taken in 2022, the Pittsburgh kid himself, Kenny Pickett, like I just got through saying not too long ago. Good luck. That is not a game that I think would be on my, you know, list of ideal starts my ideal first starts against the bills against that d against bills mafia i don't know we'll see we've seen crazier things you know like last week how the hell the colts beat the, the chiefs i don't know you never know you never know this 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 year in particular i think every year is like this and we forget but i know this year for a fact it's been crazy it's been a crazy year so far but if things go the way they should you got to expect the bills get the victory so, hey, that's where, I'm, that's where I'm standing. I'm stoked about yesterday. I'm going to ride this all the way into next week. Y'all should really enjoy that win. I'm telling you right now. That game was extraordinary. I know it might not have seemed it, especially with that first half, but the way things ended, the way that that's going to wind up coming into the playoff situation, feel good about that victory for sure. Ride it into next week. I will see you next week as well next monday night right here same place buffalo fanatics youtube channel to recap that steelers game hopefully recapping a w and next week's going to be a big one because while i'm on air with you the chiefs are going to be on with the raiders so we'll be talking about that we'll be talking about the bills game against the steelers and then we'll be previewing the best game of the year every year bills chiefs so a lot going on next week make sure to be back here for it on your way out if you wouldn't mind leave a like hit the subscribe button if you haven't already and then when the video's done go down below uh, god almighty getting late go down below in the comment section leave a comment for me about what you think is going to happen next week bill Steelers. i want you to leave your predictions down below i love reading the comments so make sure to leave me a little something on your way out until uh, until next week enjoy the rest of this week and i will see you same place one week from tonight oh wait a minute before i go before i get out of here it's always something i'm always forgetting something jeff king the kinger baby caroline look at you got you got a you got a uh you got a supporter jeff king donating to caroline's ear ear uh headphone go fund me
Now, Jeff, you got to keep me honest here. You got to make sure I get that to her. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. I guarantee I'm going to get a phone call as soon as this is over. Jeff King's $20 is my $20. Come and get it from me, Caroline. All right, I'm out. See you next week. And by the way, more shows throughout the week. Uh, Rico tomorrow. Rev Wednesday. You know the drill. I'll see you next Monday. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. And as always, go Bells. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.